Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. Here we do it bigger. We do it better. We do it longer. And out of necessity, we'll do it louder than anyone out here. So relax. Here's your host, Hushmo Black. I'll let you know that I'm out here. 
some of y'all uh, start some stuff. So why didn't you tell us you was on the air, Ursmo? We uh, what's going on, y'all? Another plane dropped out the area. I don't know what. <laughs> hey y'all, I I don't know. Don't don't get me started in this, cause I I really don't know what's going on with the airplanes, y'all. I don't know what's going on with the airplanes, but every every week it seems, uh, Dr. Wing got another plane dropping out the air. What's up with that? Anybody? Seems like every week, every other week, we got a plane dropping out the air. I don't know. This one, Alps in France, uh, one of Lutonsa's, their cheap division. Yeah, I say cheap, ain't no airplane cheap, but this is a low cost carrier, German wings. Uh, went down with 150 people on board. They blamed it on the co pilot. Uh, they blaming it on their co-pilot. Says he had some kind of, seems though he had some kind of stress problems, whether it was mental or whatever. We don't know, but at least I don't know. They still digging into his background. They do know that he had a he had a uh, a note from the doctor saying he should be working that day. That's troubling. I don't think he bothered to tell his employer. That he shouldn't be flying that day. Which is scary in itself. I mean, come on. What's what's up here? Why would you uh First of all, why would you kill yourself? Second, why would you kill uh, uh, some 150 other people? You know, what? what's up with that? What kind of mindset would do that? Obviously, an unstable one. Uh, it had to be some kind of unstable man, you think? Well, I think that uh, would engage uh, in that type of... Uh, and that type of uh, destruction, human destruction. And we we uh, it's a stressful job. Pilots have a stressful job. I would, I, you know, I think that job is stressful. But I I always wanted to. If I had start, if I starting out as a young man now in my career, I'd consider being a pilot. I always uh, wanted to fly a uh, military jet, uh, F-4 Phantom, something like that, you know, in my younger days. I, I would love to uh, fly like that. But then, you know, you're up there every day, day in and day out. Uh, with this big two $300 million plane flying around in the skies at 38,000 feet. 
and uh, the room for error is minimal. Uh, yeah, the room for error is minimum in that uh, situation. There, you got that plane's got to be. Uh, uh, everything has to uh, work out just right now. Uh, as it stands, it's a rare occasion that one of these things crashes. It's hard to bring a, a big plane like that out the air. Now, obviously, if there's some human interdiction. <laughs> If there's some human interdiction in the in the uh, calculation, that make it more uh, excuse the uh, excuse the math quite a bit. But we just don't know. We can't figure out why, unless yeah, obviously the person has some some issue. May have some issues. I mean. You don't just go around crashing. Uh, Passenger planes like that, running them into a side of a mountain at some 500 miles an hour. I mean, that's not normal. It's just a horrific uh, act there was done, you know, on purpose now. When I say on purpose, obviously, the guy's got a mental issue. Uh, that's not, uh, in my mind, a, uh, some act he, you know, he's not carrying out uh, something with this full uh, mental capacity there. So, I, I, you know, I don't know. It's just a, it's just a tough call here. We don't, first of all, don't nobody know what happened. Nobody knew what happened. Now, I'm suggesting that I'm suggesting that the pilot always uh, have communications with the with the folks on the land, whether he's in the cockpit or not. I mean, there's got to be a way to communicate uh, uh, outside of the cockpit with with uh, the folks on the on land. Hmm. That's the first thing I'm designing into planes if I'm an engineer. A, a communication system that will allow the pilot who's outside of the cockpit to talk to the folks on the ground. That's number one. Number two, uh, they got to work on uh, uh, the door and how the door is locked and unlocked. That's got to be upgraded. I mean, we have technology to, uh, I believe the technology we got, had we had it incorporated, which I could have prevented uh, the thing last night. There's no way the captain, uh, there's no way the captain of the airplane shouldn't be able to get back in that thing at all, at all times. Something's got to change that allow the captain uh, to get back into the cockpit at all times. That's just, that's just coming since they're engineering, if you're engineer. And to be able to communicate with the ground at all times. Yeah, you got to be able to do those two things. Short of that, uh, they need a whole 
different set of engineers working on this thing, yeah. Well, I don't know. Looks like we got a new studio uh, set up here. I, it's just that uh, I haven't seen uh, have that. Uh, Looks like it's new. Hey, uh, you listen to the Hustle Black Forum. Our motto is to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer. Not necessarily. Sometimes we'll do it louder than anybody out here on Blog Talk. That's for sure. Uh, but <laughs> we. We try not to uh we try not to uh raise the the audio. We try to keep everything on the even kill out here. Had to go to a funeral today. I don't mind funerals. I, I but I always uh well, I don't know. I you know, it's always some sadness in, in funerals. Although it's uh, most people are going to a better place, but uh, had to go to a funeral. Want to send my condolences out to uh, we uh, fairly young young person. Fifty-two. That, that's that's young. I mean, yeah. Compared to the high school, I mean, that's young. We uh, feel blessed to be still kicking around here at seventy-ish. <laughs> hey, what are you telling no age out here now? We gonna do that? That's all stuff. No stuff. Just uh, see where. Uh, I guess it's the Library of Congress, something like this, inducted this album by Lauren Hill into it, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. The album came out, I guess, 1998, sometime around there. She'd been in jail and everywhere else just then. I, but the album, I, I, you know, I bought the album and just... Uh, Started to replay it, to re-listen to it. Really a great, great uh, piece of work. Uh, kind of political. Kind of, It's kind of political. I mean, but a great piece of work. And uh, Library of Congress is introducing it into their uh, archives. And looks like she's going to have to go to go to Washington there to meet with those I don't know what they are. I won't even call them politicians. Politicians do uh, govern. These, I don't know what those folks are up there, but anyway. That may be the most constructive thing that they've done since uh, this president's been in office, yeah. That may be the most constructive thing they've done since uh, this president's been in office. They are, they are on the two-week uh, hiatus Hi, uh, a two week, a two week, uh, something break. Didn't vote on the attorney general. Still got the attorney general hanging for the last three months. That's just a disgrace, y'all. That's what that is. That is a disgrace. That is a disgrace. That's what that is. 
disgrace of what these scoundrels are doing uh, to the president and the country. I mean, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't call yourself hurting the president without hurting the country. I mean, he's one third of the government. <laughs> the executive branch is one third of the government. You can't just. Hurt the president without hurting the country. It's just the, the way the government is set up, yeah? That's just the way the government is set up. Mm-hmm. They have you believing that somehow they are governing. Fella, 
who coined the phrase, uh, I got news for you, uh, exposed me to uh, politics. And and uh, he said at that time, it's like 1958, that if the Arabs over there ever uh, declared a jihad, that that thing would go on and be uh, damn near impossible to put down. And this is what he was talking about in 1958. This guy had a had a mind <laughs> so deep, it's crazy for uh, for that time and his uh, uh, former education. That guy had a mind so so deep, it's crazy, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but now, here 50, 60 years later, I, I began to see what he was talking about. A lot of what he was talking about back then is just now starting to make sense to me now. A lot of that stuff he was talking about in 1958 and the 50s, I realized that uh, he was right on point. This guy had a mind, y'all. <laughs> This guy had a serious uh, man. I doubt if he had over a sixth grade education. I doubt if he had over a sixth grade formal education, though. And this guy was well, well versed in just about, uh, in a wide range of uh, subject matter. Yeah. I uh, don't know what's going on with the uh, Arab League at this big meeting in Cairo this weekend. They formed uh, this force to go in there and knock down uh, the the folks that uh, that warned Yemen. I think so crazy and mixed up and, and just uh, it's like a uh, what is it like? I can't equate it to anything. Everybody's fighting everybody. <laughs> and we on everybody's side and against everybody. The United States on everybody's side yet they're against everybody too at the same time. I, I don't know how that's going to play out even how it's going to work, y'all. It's a tricky, tricky situation here. They talk about Mr. President. Hey, the president can't it didn't start all that craziness. He didn't start all that craziness, and there ain't no easy answer to it. That's it. Mm. It ain't no easy answer to this thing, y'all. If it was, someone would have uh, figured it out uh, generations ago. This thing would have been figured out generations ago, y'all. though the Shias and the Sunnis has been added since the death of the Prophet Muhammad. They've been added since the death of the Prophet Muhammad. The Shias and the Sunnis. Yeah, they they fight for control of uh of the religion. As far as I can tell, it's what I'm researching, I mean it's what's showing up. They've been fighting for control of that religion since Muhammad died. That's been damn that <laughs> 1,400 years ago. I don't know. That makes sense? 
Do any of that stuff make sense to anybody? I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not that heavy into Islam, so I, I can't. Oh, I'm not that heavy into Christianity either. <laughs> but uh, for so many people to be damned, so many innocent people to be damned, uh, uh, caught up in this uh, to me, uh, just from a, a layman's perspective, is crazy. Something that's crazy here, y'all. I know, surely, God Almighty, these man is not condoning any of this stuff that's going on now. Mm-mm. No way. No way, y'all. I don't know what. It's, it's scary to me. That is plum scary. But yeah, it's, uh, I guess it's what, Egypt, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, uh, Tunisia, two or three other countries is getting together to uh, try to affect some change over there. But Whatever, whatever happens, uh, this thing's gonna get a lot bloodier than uh, before it get better, y'all. That thing over there is gonna get a lot bloodier before it get better. And we were in the middle. Now we uh, don't look like we're doing anything, but you know we were in the middle of that stuff. I don't know how further we're gonna get drawn in. Right now they're talking about 68% of the American public want us to use uh, boots on the ground over there, and I'm. I made a, a comment last week that uh, if 68% of the American people want us to use con- uh, that boots over there, they, the 68%, need to be the first one in line volunteering uh, for military service uh, to get some of the, their skin in the game. Short of that, we need to put that draft back. We need to put that draft back so we can get uh, a wide range of uh, the American public uh, uh, uh uh, defending itself. I'm for putting the draft back, y'all. I think everybody, everybody that turned 18 in this country need to do two uh, two to four years of military service. Uh, everybody. That's my everybody. Got to damn there be an act of God to get out of it. If I, if I was running the world, that's the way it would be in this country. Everybody would do some service. It would not be it would not be a pile up on one percent of the population. The fighting, the dying, the killing would not be uh would not be uh, uh left to one percent of the population. That wouldn't happen. We'd get a more honest assessment of people's feelings if that were uh, were to be the case. Uh, it's easy to say that you want to put boots on the ground when you uh, don't have any skin in the game. You sit at home in your comfortable living room uh, looking at the wall on TV. You sit at home uh, in your comfort zone looking at the wall on TV. So it's easy to, to uh, be for war then. And, uh, in that environment, I mean, we uh, that's got to change. That has got to change. 
every American citizen should be obligated to serve uh, in the military as honorable. They'll be talking about you a patriot of this or that, and you send your pet behind at home. Uh, I don't want to hear that. Don't don't come up here talking about you uh, of, of this uh, almighty patriot who uh, love America, uh, yet uh, you ain't volunteering for the military to go there and do some fighting. Uh, that's what you need to do. If you don't want to do that, short of that, shut up. Probably won't hear nothing uh, you got to say. That it should be the uh, a mandatory of every politician uh, to uh, uh, have served in the military in some kind of capacity. That's just my thought. Now, if I ran the world, that's the way it would be. Everybody running for public office should have served some time, put exposed themselves to uh, uh, the military draft. Everybody, everybody. Let's get a right in, y'all. Go to my website, com, and check my new book out while you're out there, Racism and Hate in American Reality. It's great read, y'all. It's timely. Racism and Hate in American Reality. Go check it out, y'all. It's a great, great read, and it's timely with the, where we are uh, in the society today. We, uh, what time is, oh, we don't ran through a break. It's about 7.30 here in the ATL, y'all. We're going to take a quick pause for the calls. We'll be right back, y'all. Hang in there. You got me to Hushma. Advocated on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushma Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
Welcome back, y'all, to the National Black Forum. I don't know what's going on with the weather, y'all. It, uh, I don't know, Thursdays out on the golf course, it was 77 degrees, down, almost 80. This morning, woke up this morning, it's 39 degrees. Wow. That's a tremendous drop, you know. That's over 20 degrees overnight. Uh, 25. I mean, just a tremendous drop. And, uh, wow. I don't know. Republicans say nothing wrong with the weather. They say it's all a, uh, all a liberal plot. I don't know how liberals, liberals, whoever they are, they, they get blamed for so so many things, and we got seems like to me <laughs> they they get blamed for so many things, and we got uh, the Republican Congress, uh, the Republican Senate, yet everything that go on is uh, some liberal uh, conspiracy. How those guys get all this power? Those liberal folks. To affect so much uh, that go on. <laughs> Especially when half the stuff that go on is uh, 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 is everything uh, against what the, the so-called liberals uh, say they're for, like voting. Why it is that if liberals are so uh, in control? Why is it that the uh, the voting rights is being pushed back? How does that how does that happen? How does that work? If the liberals are so powerful, uh, how's uh, the assault on abortion, uh, the assault on uh, gay rights is uh, so uh, impeded? If liberals had all this power. I don't know. I can't. Uh, I can't figure that one out. Me as American Americans, and I'm neither uh, liberal or conservative. I don't fit in either one of those boxes. I'm more of a victim of the system. Now, people don't like to hear hear that word when you declare yourself a victim. They don't like that uh, conversation. It's all right if you're in one of those boxes, uh, the liberal box or the conservative box, you're all right. But that other box, uh, that victim uh, victim uh, box, uh, they don't want want anything to do with that. That's the box I'm in, y'all. I'm a victim of the system. I didn't choose. I'm not in that box by choice. Oh no, I'm not. I didn't choose to be victimized by separate by Fourteenth Amendment uh, uh, violations. I didn't choose that at all. Thus, uh, the name victim. 
if I had my way, if I ran the world, if I ran the world, first of all, um, my people would acquire that uh, 46 million acres uh, that was set aside in the Southern Homestead Act back in 1866, yeah. If I had my way. The land was set aside for my people, ex-slaves, here in Georgia and in the country. The land was set aside for them. Had they got that land, uh, we'd be in a far different place in terms of uh, uh, economic equality. We'd be in a far, far different place the country would be. They'd be a lot better off. The country would be a lot better off than where, where it's at now had that occurred, but the forces uh, in play at that time are real against it. They real against it. Those forces that real against it was racist uh, forces. That's just the way it is, y'all. Just the way it is. I can't, uh, uh, there's no way to sugarcoat it. I've got to call it like I see it. The forces that was at play in 1866, up until that thing was repealed in 1876, was racially motivated to keep the ex-slaves from acquiring property. Yeah, that's all it was. And they succeeded. They succeeded. Of course, there is a... You can't just... uh, It's impossible to just uh, hurt one side of society in a vacuum without hurting uh, the society at large. And that that's playing out now. That's, yeah. That's playing out now in the country yeah, with this economic inequality thing. Where the government is trying to make up for it uh, through all kinds of schemes and dreams and Backhanded this and the firm direction mess and all kinds of things. They're trying to uh, uh, put something dumped back together again. Trying to put something dumped back together again without uh, uh, without. Uh, Without using uh, the proper tools, they try to put Humpty Dumpty back together again without using the proper tools. That's that's the problem right there. If you're taking away some forty uh, million plus acres of land, and you're trying to uh, rectify the situation uh, uh, some hundred and thirty years later. You've got to come up with the. You've got to come up with the uh, tools to uh, to rectify that situation. With one of the tools is uh, reparations. Yeah, it's not a dirty word, y'all. The main tool you need to put Humpty Dumpty back together again is reparations. Yeah, everybody's trying to figure out what, how is the economic inequality is going to get fixed and. Uh-uh. 
you you got to start with uh, using uh, the right tools. And, and the main tool is reparation. You injured millions of Americans over a period of 100 years. You injured, you took away your 14th Amendment rights. The 14th Amendment protections over, for over 100 years. Injured them economically, socially, every kind of way you can think of. And now, when you find that segment of society uh, woefully uh, uh, economically deprived, uh, you try to sit back and wonder, how did this happen? Why is it? Yeah, because of the separate equal Jim Crow laws. That's how and why it happened. It's simple as that, you know. It ain't no real mystery. If you think it's a, if it's a mystery to you, pick up my book, Racism and Hate in American Reality. If you got a problem understanding what I'm talking about, pick up that book, Racism and Hate in American Reality. It delves into it. Uh, it's part of our history. It's part of our history, yo. Trying to see what uh, was going on in the tennis world, y'all. You know I'm a big tennis fan. Miss Arena's playing. I know she played today somewhere down in Miami. She's back from that Indian world thing. She's got a knee back. She's back out there. But she's out there. I'm always going to be. I'm always going to be watching. Uh. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure where she's. Uh, not sure where she's uh, playing at, or where she's playing. I think she got rain out last night, and uh, she's gonna be playing today though. In the first day, she had a bad in the first round down there. She don't won that thing seven times. <laughs> I, I think that I think the reason I won that thing down there about seven times. So you know it ain't gonna be nothing new for her. It's pretty close to her home down there in Florida. She loved playing down there in Miami. Yeah, she about owned half that town. <laughs> she she got a part in the she got some money in the Dolphins. She got, she got a lot of lot of lot of uh, stuff around there, y'all. The money wise, Miss Arena. She's on the cover of Vogue magazine this month. Yeah, she's on the cover of Vogue. Wow. We uh, I, I, it's amazing that. Uh, what those two girls have done, Venus and Serena, over the last, what, 16 years, I think this is Venus's 
16th year at that tournament down there. And Serena must be represented like 15 years. She won the thing. Oh, gosh. What they have done. Over the last 16 years, between them, they won that thing something like 10 or 11 times. They won that thing like 10 or 11 times down there, y'all. That's how dominating that family is. Those two sisters have dominated tennis for the last 16 years. They have pretty much dominated it. Venus got seven grand slams. Serena got 19. That's 26. Grand slams between them and another 11 or 12 grand slam doubles. <laughs> they... They have dominated tennis, you know. I'm sorry. Like no other, certainly like no other sisters have. They've dominated on both sides, the doubles and the singles, you know. They have dominated the singles and the doubles for the last 16 years. They win the double thing when they want to. They win that double thing when they want to, yeah. Mm. They got their eyes on, uh, they got their eyes on, uh, set on, uh, yeah, they got their eyes set on, uh, the Olympics next year. They want to compete in the doubles thing in Olympics. That's going to be interesting. I mean, who would have thought it? Oh, yeah, they have more of that, too. <laughs> they, got, they got gold in that, too. He's one of them. I want the gold, doubles, and singles in the Olympics. That's how dominant they've been. And uh, they, uh, they talk about playing, uh, playing next year. Uh, we resting the Hawks. Atlanta Hawks on Clint's. Want to send out a shout out to the Hawks. Congratulations on uh, a heck of a season. Congratulations on a heck of a season. German pilots sought treatment for vision problems. What do you mean, visions? What does that mean? You know, every day, every day something's coming out. What kind of vision problem did he have? Was it serious? Could he see? <coughs> that ain't got to do with him locking folks out of the cockpit, crashing the plane. I can't, I can't draw that. Uh, I, I don't see no. I don't see how that, uh, how that uh, equates. Yeah, do that equate? Uh, uh, come on. I don't see how that. What are you talking about? That don't make no sense to me. That makes no sense to me, you know. What does that got to do with anything? That don't make sense to me. Well, I... Well, Nappy won that thing, yeah. She beat the Nappy. The Nappy. 
Yeah, that makes no sense to me. Uh, Venus moved on. Beat Stozer. Hmm. Wow. There's Rail. But, uh, you know, we just got to see you. We just have to wait and see. talking about uh, they're talking about somehow uh, Atlanta the Falcons getting this maybe a second or third round uh, draft pick uh, taken away that's crazy that makes no sense to me because of somebody pumping some doors and some some DJ pumping doors into the uh, stadium there while off you know, that don't make any sense. I don't think the team should be necessarily punished for something that they uh, uh, didn't have control over. And even knew about that severely. Now, obviously, there's going to be something done, but, you know, how is it that uh, they should be punished that severely? I don't, I don't, I, I think that's, that's not, uh, that's a bit. Uh, that's a bit. Uh, that's a bit much. Six and 
what, 10 record last year. We definitely don't need to be, uh, we don't need to be giving up uh, any kind of uh, draft picks. We need all our draft picks to get back competitive, you know. The commissioner should understand that. You know, this is just crazy. Mm-mm, this is crazy. I hope that uh, Kama has prevailed in the commissioner's office. We don't know. Uh, right now, with that first pick up on the Falcons, I'm going to get Todd Gurley out of Georgia. Uh, we uh, need to start getting a stud at running back. We got to have a stud there. That position got to have a stud. Now, you can talk about all the defensive linemen you want, but you got to have. If you got a, a stud coming out of college like Todd Gurley, and you have a, a chance to get, get him, you better jump on it. That's all I'm saying. You go, you go somewhere and get a defensive end. At some point, and this year's draft is full of them. Targeters don't come along too often. Mm-mm. He don't come around too often, you know. I wouldn't dare pass on him. Mm-mm. I don't think uh, I don't think the Falcons are either. Against our enemies and with our enemies. 
You talking about something conflicting. We on the side of our enemy and fighting against our enemy at the same time. At the same time, yeah. I don't know how that's I don't know how that thing is gonna work. <clears throat> uh, I got a feeling there ain't nothing good gonna come out of it. I got a feeling there ain't nothing good gonna come out of it. How can it? If we fight it with our enemies and against our enemies, they ain't nothing good gonna come out of it, can't. Picked up another, picked up an old movie here. I gotta, I guess I, I'll, I'll look at the night before I drop off to sleep again. Blazing Saddles. <laughs> Who was that? Mel Brooks. Uh, Blazing Saddles. That that that's a classic, y'all. That is a show enough classic. Uh, if you, uh, I don't know if you like. Uh, Blazing Saddles. Hmm. 1974, that movie came out. What's that, 30? That's been 40 years ago. Wow. That's been 40 years ago, yeah. Time flies when you're having fun.
We uh, it, it, somebody's asked the question why the N word uh, don't go away. Somebody's talking about because we love Chris Rock and the way they use it in the rapping. That's junk. Uh, the word the N word won't go away is because we have allowed ourselves over generations to become uh, 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 to uh, we have allowed ourselves to be de- uh, denigrated by the word. And uh, the more we uh, uh, feel uh, uh, inferior uh, by the word, the more uh, those who would uh, uh, denigrate us uh, use the word. And the more uh, power that uh, they got, the more blacks uh, don't like it, the more whites who uh, uh, want to uh, uh, make us feel inferior uh, like it. (laughs) It's as simple as that, y'all. The more we uh, feel... uh, inferior by the word, the more uh, power uh, whites feel about using the word. That's a, that's the way it is. That's just a fact. Uh, you know, I... <laughs> Come on, stop it. I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, <laughs> You got these young kids like uh, uh, who is boy uh, uh, Trinidad James uh, uh, talking about uh, can we ask whites and other blacks to not use the word and not give up our love for Chris Rock? Chris Rock ain't got nothing to do with it, y'all. This thing been going on for uh, six of three hundred years. For three hundred years, please stop it. You allow yourself to become. uh, denigrated by a word, <laughs> you allow yourself to become <laughs> don't do that. We need to stop doing that. I don't care what somebody called me. Uh, you know, if you stop that. I care what some sort of word. somebody called you, <laughs> uh, it would go away. It would go away. Uh, please. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. We got. We still got some growing to do as a community. We got some growing to do as a community. Uh, obviously, we've had enormous handicaps uh, along the way, but we've got to grow. We've got to grow internally as a community, as a people. We can't. Uh, we, we've got to grow. We can put, uh, uh, when I say that, that doesn't mean we have to stop demanding. Uh, for justice, we, we, we can't stop demanding for justice, but we, at the same time, we've got to expand our, uh, we've got to expand our uh, uh, growth. Yeah, we've got to, uh, we've got to grow internally. Uh, Stop letting uh, 
and stop letting words uh, cripple us. We we can't. We got to get get away from that. Stop it. Stop telling people what they can't do and what uh, this or that. Just stop because it's hurting yourself. Uh, <laughs> stop it. It's just the way it is. I mean, come on. It's crazy. We get all excited about uh, a word, and uh, <laughs> leave it alone, y'all. Let's grow out of it. Let's grow past it. Let's grow past that word. Come on. I'm sorry. It came up in my uh, that that discussion came up in my uh, African culture class in college here uh, a few weeks ago. I am for uh, as long as someone can use that word to. Uh, uh, bring me down. Uh, uh, something's wrong. You you should not allow anybody to be able to bring you down by uh, some word. Uh-uh, that's crazy. There's too many other things going on in the world to be uh, handicapped by a uh, word. Don't allow yourself to be handicapped by a word. And once you, uh, uh, every time you hear somebody use a word, you're ready to go to fight. I mean, I, I understand it because I, you know, I've, I've been there. But uh, at some point, you got to grow out of, you got to grow above that. Because first of all, if all we uh, did was fight about that word, we we lose that fight. We we eventually lose that fight. <laughs> we would lose that fight at the end. Though. We win some battles. We we win some battles, but we lose the overall fight. So we got to grow beyond it, y'all. We've got to grow beyond that word. What else going on, y'all? I guess I'll call the Sue down here in uh, county next week, see what he's up to. Send me. coming out looking at the soil, y'all. My daughter want to put a uh, garden out in my yard. She want to grow some uh, vegetables, some kind of organic garden she want to put out there. I don't know nothing about garden, y'all. I was born in the middle of a cotton field in 1945 here in Georgia. But but as far as the husband <laughs> farming, <laughs> oh, no, I got out of the cotton field in, in uh, 1949, y'all. I got up out of the cotton field, so I you know what I know about uh, what I really know about farming is uh, minimal. To be honest, I mean, uh, my brothers and sisters they take uh, cotton. That's for you to take some water out to the cotton field, but that was the extent of my knowledge of uh, that was the extent of my knowledge of uh, farming. I mean, I know how to. 
<laughs> cool the water jars down in the creek <laughs> and take and, and uh, carry it to my older brother. But uh, as far as me doing any real serious farming, I was I got out, I got out of I got off the farm, yeah. I guess after 1951 or 52. I, uh, we headed up toward the city, the big city. Yeah. But, uh, my daughter, she's interested, my youngest daughter's interested in, uh, gardening. And does a real good job. She's got a little spot on her back patio, probably about, no more than eight by, no more than, I don't know, it's probably about eight by five feet, something like that, a little square, little space. She's been growing quite a few uh, vegetables out there over the last couple of years or so. Now she want to expand out to uh, a bigger space, and i got uh, quite a bit of space outside. She's going to utilize something for two uh Put a garden in. I'm curious to see how it's going to work. One day, I got squirrels in my yard. Yeah, we got squirrels in the yard. I don't want the squirrels killed, y'all. I let them know that right now. There ain't going to be no trapping my squirrels to, uh, oh, yeah, they might squirrel on my property. They got free range of it. And there ain't going to be no thing about trapping them and killing them because they've been living here for 40 years. And, uh, well, she lived there too. I mean, <laughs> but uh, she don't live in now. And uh, and I told her so. She had to find out some kind of way, some kind of mechanism for this fence or whatever to keep the squirrels out. Because you know, squirrels eat stuff. They eat stuff. Anything out there in their domain, they think it's their food, and they right to a certain extent, you know. So when she put this garden in. <laughs> When she put this garden in, she's going to have to have a way to keep my squirrels out without killing them. I do not want my squirrels killed. So uh, we're going to see how that's going to work. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to put, well, we'll see how she can get uh, two or three uh Watermelon plants in, <laughs> you know, you know they swept it down. We like we that's all we do is eat watermelon in the shade. Y'all, is that a stereotype? Uh, is that some kind of stereotype or what? Uh, they swept it down. We just a lazy bunch of no good uh, watermelon eating uh, people, and I. I ain't that crazy about watermelon, to be honest. I do eat them. I will eat one or two a year, but that's about it, I mean. But uh, if a garden go in, I will uh, see if I can get a couple of watermelon plants in. That's right. Hey, y'all, we're going to take a break right here. We'll be right back. Y'all hanging there. You got me the hush, bro. We just rambling on. There's a seed running through breaks and everything else. Y'all hanging there. We'll be right back. Advocated on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushma Black Forum. Tell your friends about us, Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., right here in cyberspace. Cyberspace. 
Welcome back, y'all. Welcome back to Dr. Blackboard. So I was telling you about the garden that my daughter's putting in. She just happened to be over doing some sewing. Now let her know we're going to have to have at least three watermelon plants. Now I'm going to have to find out how many plants each one yields. I don't, like I said, I'm not a farmer, y'all. Oh, I'm from the country. I'm a country boy. <laughs> so I, I've got I got the country in my DNA. So it ain't gonna it ain't gonna take much for me to uh it ain't gonna take much for me to step it up. In fact I'm gonna call my brother up north right now to uh I'm gonna call my brother up north, my older brother, he he can tell me exactly how many uh how many I need to plant. My daughter told me I gotta look it up and see how many each each plant yields. I wanna know myself, but I ain't gonna have no stuff. If I have, I think you have to plant at least two vines growing watermelons. Let me see how that thing gonna work, y'all. Anybody know anything about farming? Any of my Facebook friends? Facebook friends, how y'all doing out there? Wake up. Y'all been awful quiet. Mr. Pianki. I ain't heard from Mr. Pianki even in a, in a minute. I know he's busy with his grandson. He's got a grandson. He's a great baseball player. Young man coming up. From Missouri. Guys, yeah, from Missouri. I don't know nothing about Missouri. I know one thing. <laughs> Somebody else, Kurt Ford, one of the old baseball players, just played for the Cardinals, just got attacked up there, and they eat them out moving out the city. Yeah. <laughs> he said he got to get away from there. He's sick of that junk going on up there. It's going to cause him to kill somebody if he, if he has to stay there much longer. Shame, y'all, what's going on up there. Well, it's the country. That ain't just the, that ain't just uh, Missouri, y'all. This stuff ain't just Missouri. But uh, how are we gonna ask this question, y'all? How are we going to ask this question?
We uh we don't know how this thing's gonna work out. We we researching it now. We we see a problem already because we we don't want the thing on the trellis. We want to grow it in the ground. Because, you know, I, don't, I like those little small ones. They uh, prove to be sweeter. But what I'm looking for is the long, big watermelons. I want to grow the biggest watermelon. In fact, I, I got a friend of mine that's uh, got a Ph.D. in horticulture. I, I got to get him over here. I got to get Dr. Draper over here. He is, uh, I've got to get him over here. He is the one who, uh, he is the one to get involved in this project. Nice and easy, uh, we like to keep everything nice and easy, uh, 
out here on the high school platform, man, we will, you know, we will crank up the volume. We, uh, been taking it easy on the, uh, the politics uh, here last month or so. We're going to crank that thing back up, y'all. We're going to crank it back up because already some craziness is going. This this guy, uh, this guy who run uh, Israel thinks he's the American president. This guy who run Israel <laughs> thinks he's the American president. And in, in, in fact, uh, some of the uh, <laughs> some here in this government, uh, the American government, uh, think he is too. That's the, <laughs> that's the scary thing about it. <laughs> that's the shameful thing about it. And some of the politicians here in this uh, government uh, believe that uh, somehow this guy is uh, <laughs> more of a, a president than the president we've got. That's simply crazy. Yeah. It's simply crazy what they're doing, uh, trying to do uh, at the uh, detriment of uh, the country, to the detriment of the country. They would uh, drag this country down uh, <laughs> uh, to uh, somehow damage this president. They'd rather bring the country down uh, other than uh, to support this president here. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. Uh, I did mention Lauren Hill. This is the case of Lauren Hill going into uh, the Library of Congress or something, giving her an award for that uh, for that album. Some 16 years after it came out, I mean, it came out in 1998. I didn't realize how great an album that was until the. Uh, it came up in my class, in my African-American uh, culture class there. Uh, some of the young folks brought it up uh, during the, one of the discussions on uh, on uh, on uh, how how music was uh, made a political statement. There was political statements in music and uh, brought Lauren Hill up as one of the uh, examples. And uh, sure enough, I went back and looked at the album, listened to it. I bought the album years ago. And said, That's a great, great album. That is a great, great album, yeah. Yeah, it's got a lot of uh, political uh, slant to it. And uh, you got to listen to it. Sit down and listen to it. I, but that thing is, is deep, especially for 1998. That thing is deep, yeah. She's finally... Getting some do. Well, I think she got some kids. Daughter's informing that she got like six Emmys for that thing. So yeah, six Grammys out of four. Sure enough, uh, wow! I didn't realize how how uh, one piece of work that thing was. The miseducation of Lauren Hill. Yeah. But uh mm. so uh I went back and replayed it and uh been listening to it. Uh, some of the rappers, this one guy, uh Kendrick Lamar, he's new. I they brought him up and I went back and looked at that and one of our first great uh artist uh, who uh, was uh, political would be uh, one Miss Billie Holiday. Uh, Miss Billie Holiday uh, came up in the 30s. <laughs> Started out in the 30s. She uh, uh, brought out this song uh, Strange Fruit in 1939. Uh, the same year that Going With The Wind came out. Y'all don't know what to read. The uh, story of the old antebellum South uh, uh, after slavery had uh, succumbed to uh, that Civil War and uh, how much uh, it was missed antebellum society. Uh, that caused a lot of uh, discontent in the country, uh, the movie. Uh, in response to it, uh, uh, blacks uh, such as uh, Billy Holiday uh, uh, 
react at, uh, uh, in their music, in their writings. Uh, and uh, this record, Strange Fruit, was dealing with uh, blacks being hung, being lynched uh, throughout the country, predominantly in the South during that period. And uh, just a, just a, a, a chilling um, epithet. Uh, on uh, the legends uh, that was uh, taking place during that time, and uh, uh, if y'all haven't heard heard the record, get it. Listen to it. Billy Holiday reads a story. Uh, one of our greatest advocates uh, in terms of musicians and uh, you know getting getting the message out there with a platform to get it out. Back then, very few blacks had a platform like her uh, to. Uh, to uh, uh, reach such a broad audience. Uh, uh, 1939, that was before I was born, I mean, six years before I was born, she put that record out, Strange Fruit, Billy Holiday, singing about uh, the lynches that was going on, what a disgrace it was. Uh, and throughout the uh, throughout our history here in this country, uh, we've been uh, protesting uh, through our song, through our writings, through our poetry. Uh, even the uh, this Negro Gospels, as they uh, refer to them, uh, had a political message, political message in them. Uh, while he was uh, singing out there in the country and picking cotton, the uh, slaves, uh, the songs had a uh, political a message tied to And they also provided uh, faith and hope. Those are religious songs. They provided faith and hope for. Uh, our people, my people. I'm going to lay down my burden down by the riverside down by the riverside lay down my burden down by the riverside you yeah, we. I suppose you get carried away here. <laughs> hey y'all. Yeah, I suppose, uh, hey. <laughs> this is. But yeah, really. Uh, our music has meant so much to us as a people. And it's meant so much to the country. It's, it's, I don't know how you put a how you put a price tag on it, but uh, yeah, it's just been amazing uh, what we've been able to uh, get accomplished through our music and through our writings. Mm. 
What they got against the bananas now? It's one of my favorite foods. This thing, they're my five foods to never eat. I'm not going to wait my bananas. You can stop that. That's really not going to get rid of apples, you know? I mean, my bananas. I'm going to... Somebody needs to stop it. That's too much to jump. I'm going to call my brother in a few minutes to find out about this watermelon thing. You know? I ain't going to take nobody's word. I'm going to... Full foot form blueprint. Well, no, we're gonna have a bigger garden of full foot. And that's how we're gonna have a garden out here. I got, I got some acres, yeah. We now, cause we <laughs> just to say, I got some acres. Hey, we ain't gonna put no gardens on no acres. We're gonna have a small area. Somebody gotta take care of that stuff. It ain't gonna be the hospital. Oh no, we we just trying to. We just go sneak through your watermelon fence in there some kind of way. We we ain't playing we ain't playing on doing no work, y'all. Not not me. Oh no, I'm providing the, I'm providing the uh, real estate. I'm providing the ground. That's what I'm providing. That's my that's my part of this whole venture. Now I know my kids. They gonna want to try to hem the hushbow up. They gonna try to hem the hushbow up and have everybody there. Uh, uh, we. <laughs> Chopping weeds. <laughs> they they gonna try to have the hush about that chopping weeds succeeded uh 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 I gotta let them know that going up front. My part of this whole venture is uh providing the the soil, the the space. That's my part of the whole venture. I don't wanna get it twisted. I'll have to let them know that going in. Don't have to let them know that going in my cousin and the poker. Boca Haram blamed for decapitation. See my cousins over there in Nigeria. Hey, that's what that's my DNA, y'all. <laughs> no, I go I, my my family go back seven generations here in these good old United States of America. But uh, prior to that, uh, coming over here on that boat and chain back there in the 1700s, uh, they came from uh, my ancestors from Nigeria, the Yoruba, the Yoruba, the Yoruba folks. That's my DNA. Now, I don't know. I got some mixed emotions about that part of the world, y'all. The motherland. I've got some mixed emotions. I don't. I, I still haven't uh, came to grips with how uh, uh, how uh, just uh, how it was that uh, so many. So many of my ancestors was allowed to be uh, drug up out of that country, that that they home. How did they wind up over here without a struggle? I don't see evidence of a serious struggle. That should be a that should be still blood running uh, right now. Uh, that should be blood still running over there uh, right now. In my mind. Uh, so I'm still coming to grips with uh, my ancestors over there. Exactly what happened? How did it happen? Why did it happen? I, that's why I'm back in school, y'all. Yeah. I'm still searching for. Uh, I'm still seeking knowledge. <laughs> 
and some of the knowledge that I'm seeking is about uh, that part of uh, my history, how and why it was that uh, so many of my uh, ancestors was allowed to be uh, brought out of that uh, out of their homeland. Yeah, how was it that they uh, were allowed to be brought out of uh, that that uh, their homeland? Yeah, and that's uh, one of the reasons why I'm uh, I'm back in school trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. That is one of the reasons uh, I'm trying to figure that thing out. I'm still puzzled by it. And I'm back in school to find out what happened there. I'm, I'm pretty sure and that search is going to take me back there. Uh, it's just a matter of when. My search and my curiosity is going to take me back to see if I can get a, a feel for it. I'm a pretty uh, sensitive person. Uh but I'm gonna have to go. I'll have to be there in person to uh, to understand it fully. I'm gonna have to go back there in person to understand it fully. I know that. And uh, uh, I guess I'll be working on not only my Espanol, but also my Yoruba in the coming years, in the coming years. I'm going to want to be bilingual, multilingual, multilingual, Another thing, uh, in our school system here in the United States, we should acquire a second language. From about kindergarten on, we should uh, require that the students learn a second language. It, it can do nothing but uh, make us more uh, intellectually savvy as a people. It could do nothing but make us intellectually more uh, competitive in the world uh, to speak more than one language. And we should start our kids out uh, in kindergarten uh, in that uh, in that endeavor. That would be my suggestion, one of my suggestions to the educational system, is to require a second language starting in kindergarten through high school. From kindergarten through high school, we should be uh, learning a second language. So by the time we graduate from high school, each and every student will be fluent in a a language other than English. Be fluent in English and a foreign language. It's going to not only uh, broaden their uh, uh, education uh, uh, experience, uh, it's going to make them more competitive in the job market once they 
uh, it's going to make them more valuable, uh, open up more avenues for them as uh, time go on. www.blogtalkradio.com